0: locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the sacramento kings
1: part of the locked on podcast network your team every day it's draft day it's here and the sacramento kings will be on the clock soon picking five picking 10 picking in the second round at 34 at least that's what we think going in and to help us with maybe what the kings might do their beat rider for the sacramento b jason jones has covered this team for a long time Jason, uh, Kings fans you know want De'Aaron Fox at five. What do you think the Kings want? If it's, a, if it's a perfect night for them and they stay at five and no real weird things happen before them, what do you think they would like to do when it's their pick at number five?
0: I think the one weird thing that they wouldn't mind happening is that somehow at number five, Josh Jackson were sitting there. I don't know if that will happen, but... Of all the weird things that could happen, if he's sitting there, they're gonna you know do a backflip in the war room. But if not, if the Aaron Fox is sitting there at five, they'll be thrilled. I mean, this is you know one of the top point guards available. He definitely. I mean, they don't have any point guards going the next season, so he's still an obvious speed. And to me, he- his speed, the way he gets up and down the court, he can maybe be a Mike Conley type. Not exactly Mike Conley, but he can do some of the things that Dave Yeager did with Mike and got from Mike in Memphis. So if you can if you can get De'Aaron Fox to five, that'll be a good night.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask you, though, it, for the Kings perspective, what if, and I don't know how it happens, but I think it's possible that Josh Jackson and De'Aaron Fox are somehow both there at five? Are you suggesting they would lean towards Jackson over Fox or would they take Fox?
0: I think mean, you take Jackson. I think Jackson is, the, is one of those players in the draft this year that people seem to all agree has superstar potential. I mean, you're talking about a long and, and he would also fill a need. The Kings beat a small forward. Mm-hmm. You know, on a long, athletic guy, shown the you know the potential to be a good defender. I mean, I got a chance to see him up close. I mean, it was against UC Davis. So it wasn't like he was playing you know you know the highest level of a uh, Division One competition, but just the way he has a good spiel for the game. I mean, I love to watch him play in college, and I think he'll be a good pro. So I think if it's between those two, you take Josh Jack you take the better of the two players and hope that, you know, there's a point guard at 10, or maybe you go like the uh, Milwaukee route and you find your point guard in the second round and you just get a guy that's a nice, solid guy. But I just don't see Josh getting past, uh, getting past three, much less
1: four. Yeah, so it may not even be an issue for the Kings. How about just that fifth spot, there's been rumors leading up to draft day that the Kings can move five and ten and whatever, or just any possible combinations. What's the likelihood that the Kings are actually making the pick at five?
0: Uh, pretty high. Everything I hear, they they have no intention of uh, moving off that spot at five. They want to make that pick. They believe they can get a really good player at five. And considering what the record was, for them to be in that position, is, is, you know that's a that's a big jump in the lottery. They should be at three, obviously, but no trade slot the slot pick, You know, so even then they even now they're even then they're still at five. So this is their chance to get someone, you know, get someone good. And when they've been top five or better in the last year, they've had some the pretty good luck. Got the market Tuskins at five and Tyreek Evans was the fourth pick and he's had a lot of he had a lot of injuries after the sack. but when they got him he was definitely I mean, people forget Tyreek was pick. A darn good player. You know, the injuries caught up with him. Even in New Orleans, But they made the playoffs, he was their second best player. So, top five is a good place to be regardless. So, I I kind of like their chances if they stay where they really are.
1: How about 10? I've heard so many different things. You look at mock drafts, there's 15 different people listed for the Kings at 10. They've worked out so many guys that can be around 10. What's the likelihood? Because I really think that's a, a spot they may move from. But, what do, what do you think? Might happen with the Kings at ten.
0: That's going to be kind of a hot spot in the draft. I mean, someone there's going to be a good player there that someone's going to really want. Say if Malik Monk is there, and the Kings feel like, hey, between all the guards we've already got with Bogdanovich on the way, you know, more than likely, we don't need another shooting guard. A team may, a team like Oklahoma City, for example, may say, hey, we'll move. You know, we'll give you something to try to move up to get that pick because, we, you know, we need to add some people with like Russell Westbrook, you know. There's going to be, I mean, so there's going to be, some, to me, some action with that pick. If not, there should be a good player for them to take. But, to me, that's a spot where you need definitely see some teams in play trying to move up to get some help. Because there's going to be a good player there. He may not be considered one of the quote-unquote game changers. But, like I said, if Malik Monk is there then there's going to be a lot of teams who want to get him if the Kings don't want him themselves.
1: Yeah, this is going to be really fascinating. Do you know internally from the Kings side of things if the Boston-Philly trade did anything? Does that have any effect? I mean, it still puts Fultz at one, just with a different team. We don't know 100% what Boston's going to do at three. Did that throw the Kings off in any way, shape, or form? Do you know?
0: I don't think so, because I think the the question everyone had was, would Philly take De'Aaron Fox at three? Because everyone knows their 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 needs for for help at guard, so I think by actually if it can help the Kings by them moving up, they're clearly taking fault. And I don't think Boston would take the Aaron Fox at three, so that means they're going to probably have Fox get to five. And, and my thing is, I've, I've even told fans on Twitter and the ones I talked to, hey, even if Fox is gone, that means a guy like Jason Tatum is sitting there at five. Sure, you're not going to lose with that pick. So you know it's pretty simple there's there's a consensus top 5 this year whoever's left in the top 5 you take
1: what if the kings aren't able to we, i guess I'll word it this way jason which position will be more critical if it's not filled they we you said it they need a small forward they need a point guard if they somehow don't get a point through 5 and 10 or one that people believe could be the starting point or if they somehow don't get a starting type small forward which one will be more difficult to fill come free agency when they have all that money?
0: Oh, it's going to be point guard because they don't have any they don't have any point guards on the roster right now. Everyone's going to be a free agent, so you've got to fill that, and even if you uh, draft one, you're still going to need to, to add and then get, get a veteran or two to go with them. I think even if you don't get the small forward you want in the draft. You look at the fact that you can maybe use, say, a Malachi Richardson as a—I mean, Malachi six-six, long wingspan. You could maybe, you can maybe get some minutes from him there. Bogdanovich is a is a two, but he can play one and three. Garrett Temple can play some threes for you, so I think you can get away with that three spot. You're still not as big as you would like to be on the wing, but you can you can survive. They've got to get a point guard in the worst way. I mean. You know, especially no you know you can't go into another year hoping to go to the draft and find a point guard. You got you know at some point you gotta you gotta get someone in there. So I think that they've got to get that. If the guy you want is gone at five, for some strange reason, you hope a Dennis Smith is there later on. Someone you got to get someone in that spot.
1: Yeah. What are the chances the the two existing veterans that you said are free agents, so they're not the king's property, come back? Any chance of Lawson and or Collison? coming back, whether or not they get a point guard at 5 or 10?
0: I think there's probably a, I mean, in terms of this financially, it looks more feasible. Lawson would be the easier to bring back. He's not going to have as many options out there. There's still some concerns around the league about his off-the-court stuff. You know, is he going to be, you know, the best citizen? You know, it didn't help him last year that he did have the uh, disappearing act during the preseason with the Kings. So he would probably be I mean, the easier one. They would they would probably prefer Darren. But Darren had always been on the playoffs team until he got to Sacramento for the most for the most, for the most of his career. And he did not like spending the last three years missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I think if Darren gets a you know, gets a good offer from a playoff team, he could be gone unless the Kings say like, you know what, hey, we got a ton of cap space. We, we do have our point guard for the future, but you know what, Darren? How about this? Two years, $36 million, come back here. You know what? They got the wrong – you know, we got to spend the money on somebody. Yeah. You know, some type of, you know, crazy amount of money. Maybe Darren says, you know what? I don't want to – you know, I don't want to be in a rebuilding situation, but for this amount of money, how do I say no? Right. So I think that that, that that's a scenario, but I definitely know Darren's going to – to try to get back into a winning situation
1: do you think the kings will truly be in play for any kind of what would be deemed a really high level free agent and i'm not talking you know finding their way in the trade with paul george or jimmy butler or something like that but you know i guess on wednesday's rumor there was a talk about paul Millsap. he's been a veteran and an all-star in this league are they legitimate candidates for someone like him or someone else that's a pretty high level free agent at all
0: they're legit because they have the money, but the problem the Kings run into is he, uh, it's still not considered around the league by most people a desirable destination because of all going on the last ten plus years. And I know fans hate it when I bring this up, but players around the league did not like the way that the market thing went down. They did not like the fact that a team that had never won and hadn't been anywhere near the playoffs traded their best player when they were smithing the playoffs. You, you know, it didn't send a message around the way really that the Kings were serious about winning. In the front office, a little difference, you brought in Scott Perry to kind of help get things, repair relationships. You know, you're kind of bolstering that situation. But still, teams are kind of, players kind of look at the Kings and say, what are you guys doing? Do you want to win? Do you, what are you trying to do here? Because we thought the object was to win. And when you've got as many young guys as the Kings have. Vets know if they come in, they're essentially coming in to be a placeholder. So it's going to be hard to land those guys unless you throw a ton of money at them. And if you're the Kings, do you really want to talk your cap situation? Say, if it is a Paul Millsap, number one, I don't understand why you'd be, prefer- for someone, a 32-year-old free agent when you say you want to go young and rebuild. But mm-hmm. say you do. And Paul made $20 million or so last year. He'll want to raise. Do you really want to tie up $50, 75000000 million over the next three years you know, Paul Millsap, when you're also trying to develop a scowl, you, know, you know, you're trying to you you're know, trying do things like that. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense, but ever since Vivek's taken over as owner, every year or two, there's that one veteran name that we can't quite understand why the Kings would be mentioned with him, but it's a favorite of Vivek, you know, before it was uh, Monte Ellis. Yeah. And everyone's going, why in the world would you want Monte Ellis? That was his favorite warrior. Then it became the Josh Smith obsession. Hmm. So it kind of, I kind of wonder if, if Paul Millsap being out there, that name kind of the latest of the I would love to have that guy. And if you had kept DeMarcus, it would make sense. If you had kept DeMarcus, add a Paul Millsap, and you were trying to keep Rudy Gay. you say, okay, yeah, you're trying to be a playoff team, but I don't see how it makes sense now.
1: I, I, I know at some point, too, I get the, the rebuild that's going on now. ton of young players. You hope some of them materialize. You're going to draft a couple more on Thursday. When And I guess they have some veterans, obviously, in there, but it feels like they need a few more of the grown-ups in the room, if that makes sense. Do you think they're looking at, at those kind of guys, maybe the, the veterans like the Tolliver who they – elected not to uh, bring back, but guys like that that they've signed the last couple off seasons, do you think there's there's more signings like that coming up when free agency comes around, those, those kind of experienced good-guy veterans they'll be looking at?
0: No, they have to. I mean, right now they're constructed. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm assuming the follows gone. You're looking at a team where your only veterans really are Garrett Temple and Costa Koufis, mm-hmm. and then you go down the line, your next most experienced player is – is Willie Callis Stein, a guy who just a year ago the coaches didn't know if he worked hard enough. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it's they they really need to get some some veterans in there just because you're going to be losing a lot, you know, next season, and you need some guys to teach guys how to be professionals and this is the things you do to win games. You can't have a bunch of kids teaching kids how to win. I mean, Willie can work hard and do the best he can, but what's Willie going to teach? About winning, Will hasn't been around winning in the NBA. So you need some guys who are in there who can help a Garrett and a Coaster Because I mean, those are just two guys, right? And right now you're looking at a situation where a bunch of you know, you, you know, if you add Bogdanovich, you've got nine, about nine guys on your team who have three or le- uh, less years experience.
1: Do you think anybody that's on the existing roster, not a free agent, but someone that's an existing roster? Would be trade bait or trade candidates. I don't know if the Kings are trying to move anybody, but do you think that there's a thought that maybe one of the young pieces or one of those veteran pieces could be someone they may elect to move if the deal's right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I know they like they like Garrett, they like Costa, they like their presence in the locker room, but how many shooting guards do you really need? Mm-hmm. Do you really need Buddy Malachi? Bring back. I mean, and you and you can't develop all those young guys at the same. You can't play them all. And, you know, so who, you know, how are you going to manage that? And, you know, in their situation, if some team says, hey, especially say, you know, you're going into 2019 knowing you won't have your pick. What if some team, you know, says, I don't know, this random team, say a Cleveland, not that I know Cleveland, so I think Cleveland says, hey, we'll take Malachi for our first round pick in
1: 2019.
0: Mm-hmm. Cleveland probably didn't have a pick. I don't have it in front of you. <laughs> you're me, probably but, right. You know, you have to release a, You probably, you have to listen because you don't have a pick that year. And odds are you're not going to be a good, you know, you're not going to be good in a a year or two. And you're looking at it right now, in 2019, you're giving Philly a lottery pick. Sure. So you might want to have a pick at some point to replace that just to get another, you know, another piece in there, you know, or to have a trade piece. Or what you do is you do like Brooklyn did with the Lakers. You say, you know what, we'll take one of your bad contracts. We'll take a little well Dang, but you got to give us something with it in order for us to make it work for a while. So if you don't have, if you're not going to move players, leverage that cap space to maybe find some veterans who don't have the best contract, but because you have so much space and so many guys on these rookie deals, you can afford to take that on for another year or two. And then when they come off the books, that's when it's time for you to look at: Do I pay Willie a lot of money? You know, do I give you know so? That's the way the team I think has to look at it right
1: now. I agree. I think that's their best way. I mean, of course, you try for free agents, but I, I think that's the way they can get it: is take someone else's contract that they may not love, try to get another piece that you may want from them. I, I think that has to be the biggest part of their offseason plan. To me, I think that's the easier route than trying to lure a free agent into a basically a non-winning situation.
0: Yeah, or you look at you, you hear Houston's trying to dump guys. You say, "Hey, we got the." to absorb a guy without, you know, giving anything up, we'll take Patrick Beverly off your hands, Sure. we'll take, you know you know, we'll take him. you know, give us a, you know, throw give us your twenty whatever your you know, whatever, and we'll take that guy off your hands. So they've got to leverage at the best they can to try to, you know, just like I said, get some grown ups in there. Not to not to insult the young guys, but I mean you can't have a bunch of kids in there.
1: You mentioned, Jason, earlier, uh, Scott Perry being around. As soon as the Kings brought him in, I heard nothing but good things. I continue to hear nothing but good things. We've seen more people work out. It, you know, they can't change the internal thought of what everybody thinks of the Kings' uh, front office overnight. But it sure seems like it's it's making a positive switch. Is that a sense you're getting as well?
0: Yeah, well, I know the they hired Scott. I went to Chicago for the combine. I just had guys I know from around the league up all St same Things are going to start getting better. there. You got, you got you got Scott in there, and Scott's a guy with great relationships. He understands. I mean, one thing the Kings have lacked is the, the ability to make those connections with the you know around the league. And I talked to guys around the league where they're trying to negotiate with the Kings. How difficult it was, and Scott knows and has been through all that and has those relationships, whether it be college coaches. He's you know he's been in the college ranks. He knows how the AAU game works and. And today at the NBA, you got to understand how that works. If you're drafting a guy basically a year removed from his AAU day. So you have to understand all of that. And Scott has that. And that's been a big help for them just because it's given them a level of legitimacy. I mean, a year ago, guys were literally laughing at the idea of working out for the Kings. It's like, no way I'm going to go anywhere near that. And it's still going to take time to chip away at all that. But bringing in Scott has really kind of helped chip away at it a lot faster.
1: Yeah, and that's encouraging, certainly for the fans with the draft here. Basically, I know you had a mock draft in the B, and you, we talked about De'Aaron Fox before. I think you had the Kings with him at five. Uh, it was it Zach Collins at ten? We already talked earlier about the possibility of moving, but why, I'm just curious about your thought. I know Collins is there in a lot of mock drafts. You think that's a potential, realistic potential target for the Kings at ten?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think and Laurie Markin, is a potential target. I mean, I like Markin's shooting. If you're going if you're gonna draft a big guy. He should be. To me, he should be a big guy who's different from what you already have. And I think marketing and Collins both kind of fall into that, that uh that category. I think Collins is probably already a better defender. So I kind of and I went back and forth. I kind of said, okay, I to go together. We have more upside defensively and offensively. I know I heard from Collins' workout. He shot the you know he kind of struggled at some points, but he shot the lights out from deep at one point where he just couldn't miss and. If he's going to be a guy who can develop that, you can play some different things with him. Now you can put him as a stretch four, but he also has the size to defend, you know, fours as well. So that's why I went that way in my, my last mock draft. I'm pretty sure in the next hour I'll want to change again. <laughs> but, I mean, I also could have, in my mind, could have went down Mitchell at that spot. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? You, you need defense in the worst way in the backcourt. And this is a guy who's made, you know, he's only about 6'2, six, 6'3, six, but with his wingspan can advance one, two, and some three. So they can go so many different ways, you know, when it would make sense.
1: I think that's, you know, not only the Kings perspective, but, you know, you've done this a long time. I've done this a long time. And, and I don't think I'm being, you know, a prisoner of the moment right now. It's just with the cap money where it is, everybody trying to catch the Warriors a good draft and then some of these high level all-star type players being reportedly on the move i mean this is as wild as a pre-draft run-up and maybe draft night will be just as crazy because this i mean it's fun for the nba fans but this is does this feel like one of the more wild off seasons and we're still not even to to free agency yet oh
0: this is going to be crazy i think i mean this is you know, you look at some of the names that are available. The fact is, you know, Phil Jackson basically goes on MSG and oh confirms that for are thinking available. Yeah. I mean, and my joke has always been whatever the Knicks do, it seems like within 24 hours, the king say, hold up, hold up. Don't let them be the crazy <laughs> one. We got something better for you. Yeah, and, and I'm just like, thank you. They have not done that to me this, you know, this week because that's a circus. I mean, you're making that kid available. mm I mean, I it's I mean you look at that. Hey, look at the Cleveland situation. I mean, I think the Lakers have accelerated their rebuilding process already by you know everyone says well, D'Angelo Russell was the uh, no, the second pick in the draft a couple of years ago. He's also the guy who also uh, essentially uh, destroyed a locker room by recording Nick Young and guys didn't like him after that. <laughs> so I mean, sometimes you know. So I think by then they may. I, I think that move was good for Brooklyn and the Lakers. Actually, you know, you see Dwight get moved. Basically, a new regime comes in and says, "You know what? Now nah, we don't need Dwight and that money on our on our books." So, yeah, it's it's already been wild. It's gonna, I think it's going to get wilder tomorrow. You know, or you know, tomorrow after the draft, going to free agency. Paul George is still a Pacer at the moment,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, I mean, I don't think anyone thinks Paul, you know, Paul will, you know, finish the season as a Pacer. He may not be a Pacer by the end of this week. So true. There's just so much going on, and I'm just, and I, right now, I got my fingers crossed that I don't have to worry about the Kings doing something that's completely out of the blue that I can't even understand.
1: <laughs> and then you have to write about and try to put it, you know, pen to paper and typewriter and all that yeah. and figure out. Wait, what just happened?
0: Yeah, fans are asking me why did they do that. I'm like, I don't know why they did that.
1: You don't have the answers. All I can tell you
0: is what they told me. Right. Yeah, I don't have the answers. They can't explain it to me. (laughs) But here's what they did.
1: Yeah. Well, we know it will be memorable. That's for sure. I I know we'll end up seeing you out there at the practice facility for the uh, media event out there. So enjoy it. Try to enjoy it. I know it'll be a busy time for you. Thank you for spending some time with us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Oh, no problem. Anytime, Jason.
1: Jason Jones, Sacramento B joining us. Thank you so much to Jason. Covers his team on a daily basis and of course he will be busy. Draft coverage, then free agency coverage. Then it'll finally start to slow down, but that's basically about August and September and then it's ramping back up. The season will be here. Honestly, before you know it. So thanks again to Jason Jones. We'll be back tomorrow to recap all of the draft stuff, everything that happens with the Kings. This is going to be a fun evening to check it out what Good, bad, ugly, all those things that will happen for all the teams. We'll evaluate it all and be back, like we said, for our Friday edition. Coming your way tomorrow on Locked on Kings.
0: You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast.
1: Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. day.